Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today is a Q&A episode, and I'm going to dive into three questions. But first, before I do that, just going to go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that will help more people find this podcast uh, moving forward. Next, if you haven't found me or don't follow me on Instagram, make sure you give me a follow, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore, and that's where I'm most active on social media. And then I do have a free class on body recomp and nutrition periodization. So I go over, I like to break these down into short-term body recomp, long-term body recomps with the body recomp free course or free class. Um, I go over what to do, how to do it, and everything like that. Nutrition periodization, I go over each nutrition phase, what it entails, adjustments, mistakes. Again, both of these are free and the links are in the show notes. And then lastly, if you ever... find yourself wondering about the perfect fitness phase for your goals. Again, which phase you need to do, fat loss phase, building phase. Maybe you're scratching your head over the number of workouts you need, the macros that fuel your progress, or how to keep hunger at bay while shedding some body fat. If these questions all sound too familiar, then this is where we can set up a free 30-minute strategy call, and we can tailor a plan that speaks to your needs and lets and sets you on a path to your fitness goals. No obligation or anything like that. Just want to help you out and make sure things are moving forward there for you. So if you're interested in that, uh, then Link to that is in the show notes. So with that out of the way, let's dive into today's question. So the first question I have is less reps, more weight or higher reps, less weight. What's better? This is a common question, right? Hey, should I do more reps, less weight, more weight, less reps? And again, I think first it's better for what, right? Are we talking body composition? Are we talking strength? Because if it's strength, then obviously you need to do more weight lower, uh, less reps, right? If it's just, Hey, I'm trying to build some muscle. I want to improve my body composition, lose a little bit of body fat. I think there's a little bit more flexibility built into it. Right? So that's the first thing really there is, you need to define what you're doing this for. I think a lot of times people are just like, I'm working out. And then that's what they there's okay. What are you specifically trying to get from working out? And if there is no specific goal, that's fine too. I think just working out is healthy, but if we're going to add, and it's going to help your overall health, but if we're going to ask what's better, you need to have some sort of goal linked to this. So again, I'm going to take this from the standpoint of body composition, just adding some muscle, looking better, things like that. And so I think this, again, it's going to come down to multiple things. I think first, what's your preference? That's the most important to me. If you find that you don't know necessarily like training super high reps, when you like doing higher weight, lower reps, then I think that is something we needed to take into consideration here. So personal preference is super key here on this. And I'll dive into why that is. Um, Next, what have you been doing? If you're not happy with your results and you've you've been doing one approach, could we maybe start to sprinkle in something else? So if you've been mostly doing high reps, low weight, can you start to sprinkle in maybe some lower weight or lower reps, higher weight into it, right? So I think that's important. Next injuries, that's going to be something we need to consider when we're talking about rep ranges and what reps to use, because that's going to be important. Usually if you're finding that you're having a lot of injuries and you're training high weight, low reps, maybe you need to switch to a higher rep, lower weight approach. 
But I think the big key takeaway here is you really can build muscle in any rep range from anywhere from three to three reps to 30 reps. Okay. It's just, we need to make sure the training is challenging and it is overloading over time. And we also need to consider all the things that I just talked about here. Those are going to be super important. And again, I don't think it needs to be a black or white of, Hey, you need to do one or the other. I think having a combination of both is going to be super helpful. But again, the most important thing is that again, it's something you're doing something that you enjoy. That's going to allow you to challenge yourself and overload over time. Again, if you hate what you're doing, we, you might need to rethink that. Again, what have you been doing? Is that working? Has it not been? Again, you may need to check that out and see if you need to make any adjustments there. And then injuries. Again, injuries could be something. But like I said, and I'm going to continue to hammer this away, it, the training needs to be challenging and it needs to be overloading over time to where it gets more challenging over periods of time for it to be something that is good for building muscles. How I want to kind of transition this is how to train in each rep range for muscle growth, what that's going to look like. Because I think this is something that you could take some out of it. And again, I think it it shows that there is no black or white answer. You can really use multiple rep ranges. And then I'll talk about how I break down training to build muscle, like what that looks like. So I'm bro- I've broken this into three rep, three separate rep ranges to be used as a general kind of guideline to understand how to get more out of each rep range and to get you to understand how you train may slightly differ depending on the rep range that you choose uh, there with that. The, these are not absolutes and are more on a spectrum, right? So for example, you don't need to drastically change how you train going from say 12 reps to to 13, 14 reps. However, going from six reps to 20 will likely be a bit different there with that. It also doesn't mean that if you get four reps instead of six, you're completely missing messing something up. Or if you're going from say 12 reps to 13 reps, you're completely screwing something up, right? I think people put too much stock into the exact rep range that they're doing. And they don't understand that like, it's more so the tension that you're applying to the muscle that's most important. So again, this is where the concept of, hey, we just want training to be felt relatively challenging. And over time, you're getting stronger, doing more reps, etc. Um, and again, it's not necessarily the specific like rep range that is key there. So let's first start with this one to five rep range. So I rarely, if ever use this rep range for muscle growth slash body comp programs, unless someone really enjoys the style of training and or they've, they see good results with it. But that typically isn't very common. In this rep range, you probably can train with two to three reps or more in reserve most of the time here. You don't necessarily need to get super close to failure. You do want to rest enough in between sets, think two to three minutes or more. And again, heavier loads are typically used here. So this is going to be the higher weight, lower rep range. This rep range is best for compound type movements. Think things like lateral raises and bicep curls are not going to be great for this rep range. You're going to think things like back squat, bench press, stuff like that, leg press, things of that nature on there with that. So that's a one to five rep range, right? So that kind of takes care of that less reps, more weight there with that. Now we have this kind of moderate rep range, six to 12. And this is where the bulk of my clients who want to build muscle, like where their training is going to be, right? We're going to spend most of the time in this rep range. You don't have to train to failure and you can get a lot out of training one to three reps in reserve most of the time in this rep range. However, going to failure every once in a while is not a bad idea. And on more isolation type exercises versus compound type exercises. Again, like you can use this rep range, just understand that you want to make sure you're most of your trainings in that zero to three reps in reserve. So you're getting close to failure, right? Things are slowing down. Things are getting challenging. And again, over time we're progressing and you can use failure in this rep range. So long as it's probably more so like isolation type exercises, like if you're using the back squats and say like six to 12, and I'm just using that as an example for compound lifts, you probably can stay a little bit further away from failure on that. And the cool thing with this rep range is you can really make all exercises work in this rep range. We probably want to rest one to three minutes on average in this rep range. And like I said, more times than not, you want to make sure you aren't 
under recovered going into the next set. But from time to time, we may use things like incomplete rest methods to be more efficient to elicit a slightly different stimulus. Think things like mile reps, rest pause, drop sets, shorter rest times, et cetera. So on average, you probably want to train about one to three minutes in between sets most of the time here um, on this. And you just don't want to go into your next set under recovered, right? So that's where you kind of get that one to three minutes on it. So that's more like medium weight, medium reps on there with that. Now we have the kind of less less weight, higher rep range, right? This is the 12 to 20 plus rep range. And so with this rep range in particular, you most likely need to get closer to failure more often in this rep range compared to others. So you really need to make sure you're taking the target muscle close to failure. Now, the problem is it's tougher to gauge training intensity in this rep range. So it's tougher to gauge your rest reps in reserve. So you usually... So people usually leave more reps in the tank than they think in this rep range. And that's where things become challenging, right? This is your kind of pump training, high rep training. You you get your heart rate up, but you feel like you're working hard, but you actually don't really take the target muscle as close to failure as you're thinking. Part of it is just because it sucks and it's really challenging to do there with that. And like I said, it's also just tougher to get to failure in this rep range because of the mental fatigue and things like your cardiovascular system fatiguing before the target muscle. So what I mean by mental fatigue is like, you know, man, doing 12 to 20 plus reps in a set, it's, man, it just gets mentally just exhausting. You're just like, okay, I'm freaking done with this. This has already taken me 45 seconds. People just leave a lot more in the tank in this rep range. They go back to is less, is less weight, more reps better. You can still use it. It's just, Hey, we have to understand the potential downsides of using this rep range. And we need to make sure that we utilize that. This also, this rep range likely provides a slightly different stimulus than training in like the six to 12 rep range. So it's not a bad idea to include some of this from time to time, especially if you find that you're do, you do a lot of training in that like three to 10 rep range there with that. Again, it's a potentially good rep range to use if there's an injury. Like I talked about injury could be something there with that, that you'd want to look at. And then also, like I said, if you want to change up. If you've been doing a certain rep range and maybe it's not working for you, you can switch it up, right? It might be a good thing to switch up from that. Like I mentioned earlier, I would say compound type lifts are not ideal in this rep range. So like back squats, you're probably not going to do in the 12 to 20 plus rep range. Deadlifts, you're probably not going to do in the 12 to 20 plus rep range. Bench press, rows, stuff like that, right? You're probably going to use more isolation type exercises. And then rest will likely be anywhere from 45 to 90 seconds on average. But from time to time, we may use incomplete rest methods, like I mentioned in the last one, things like mile reps, rest, pause, drop sets, et cetera, and this. So those would be the three rep ranges and how I would train. Again, you can use all three rep ranges to build muscle. It's just, hey, okay, what do you like? What's your, do you have any injuries? What have you been doing? And are you making sure that no matter what, that it's challenging, right? If you can check those off, we can use a lot of different rep ranges. Here's what I'll say my training looks like for clients who are looking to just improve their body comp and build muscle, right? So in the one to five rep range, we spend about zero to 10% of our time training in that rep range on average. And the six to 15 rep range, this is 80 to hundred percent of their training is in that six to 15 rep range there with that, right? So we're going to spend the bulk of our time in that six to 15 rep range. And then 15 plus rep range, probably again, zero to 10% um, on this. I should probably say zero to 20% because it could be where we do 80% in that six to 15 and then 20% in the 15 to 20 or 15 plus rep range there with that. So that's how I break down the training, right? So that gives you an idea of, Hey, is more reps or is more weight better? Again, you can decide on that. And then now you know how to train in each rep range and how to potentially break it down into your full training program there with that. All right. So next question is when you start a reverse diet, how do you know if you're gaining muscle or fat? So again, so unfortunately when it comes to muscle growth, there's no really good, there's no way that you're going to be able to know for sure if you're building muscle, right? So you just have to rely on the habits slash process versus monitoring one exact measurement. And so what I mean by that is 
you just unfortunately going to have to follow good muscle building practices in this process because again, there's not going to be one metric that's, oh, hey, that that's muscle that you're building there on that. So I think the first thing is, so let's talk about what those methods are. So I think first, if you're staying adherent to your nutrition plan, so you're not gaining weight too quickly. So look at that. If you're worried about gaining too much fat versus muscle in a reverse, are you sticking to your nutrition plan that you have, right? And just paying attention to your weight. You going from eating low calories to then eating a little bit more calories and you see your weight come up a little bit, that's just probably some water weight and glycogen storage filling out. Now, if week over week, you keep adding say two pounds per week on average or one to two pounds per week on average. Okay. Now you're probably getting into that range of, Hey, you're adding too much body fat versus muscle there with that. So look at, are you staying in here? And then also just monitor your scale weight to make sure that on average and over time, you're not gaining say more than one to two pounds per week, and maybe even less less than that, you'd probably want to hit. So usually it's around 0.25 to 0.5% of body weight per week there on that. So just monitor that. If you see it coming up too quickly, week over week, you will want to look into your methods and adherence to the plan and see if you can improve that because that's going to be a problem there. You're likely gaining more body fat the quicker you, you gain. Now, like I said, initially when you are low lower calorie and then you transition to eating more food, you're probably going to see your water weight come up a little bit. There's that. Next, so long as you're lifting weights, you're going to be in a good spot. In this process, make sure you are lifting weights. That's I, I just can't stress that enough. If you're gaining weight or trying to do a reverse without training to build muscle, you're just going to be shooting yourself in the foot here. You need to make sure you're lifting weights. Eating enough protein as well, so making sure that you're not completely going low with protein, right? That's going to put you in, in, in a good spot. Again, you don't necessarily have to eat massive amounts of protein, but just making sure you're not underdoing the protein there. So if you do those things, you're going to be gaining mostly muscle limiting fat gain in this process. Now, if you're not doing those things, your weight's coming up super quickly, then you know you might be gaining a little bit more body fat than you'd want in your reverse diet. Some other ways to know your midsection measurements aren't gaining at a much faster rate than your limbs. So I said much at a much faster rate. You're probably going to see your midsection come up slightly during this period of time. I don't think it's feasible to, to continue to eat more calories and expect your midsection to go down. I'm going to talk about reverse dieting this here in a minute, and you're probably not going to see that happen. If, if your midsection is like outpacing everything else from a measurement standpoint, like that's growing exponentially compared to your arms, legs, stuff like that. Okay. You might be gaining a little bit more body fat than you want. Again, how your clothes are fitting and looking specifically at the midsection. Okay. Are they maybe getting a little bit tighter in your arms and your limbs, but not necessarily in your midsection? That's a good sign. Now, if they're getting tighter in your midsection, pants are getting super tight, but then like your arms aren't necessarily filling out, your like shoulders aren't filling out, your quads aren't filling out, okay, then you might be gaining a little bit more body fat than you would want, right? So these would be things that I would look at with, with gaining muscle in a reverse diet. Like I said, unfortunately, there's not one good way that you can, that you can do this, that you can measure this, unfortunately. I, next, where I kind of want to take this now is just some reverse dieting myths and how I, I typically use them with clients and what we use them for. So a reverse diet is a period of time following a fat loss diet where you gradually increase your calories back to your estimated maintenance calories. So I think it's important to get on the same page with a reverse diet. Like a lot of times people say they'll do a reverse diet to put their metabolism in a good spot. So if you haven't done a fat loss phase and like you're thinking that you're not losing weight because you need to do a reverse diet. That's probably not the issue that's going on here. Okay. You're probably over consuming calories more than you think. And you just need to get that dialed in, whether you're tracking it or not. If you're tracking it, I'm eating 1600 calories. I'm not losing weight. I need to do a reverse diet. You're probably under reporting somewhere and you just increasing your calories likely isn't going to be the thing that gets you back on track here. So again, it's a, 
it's important to get the terminology down here with this. A reverse diet is a period of time following a fat loss diet where you gradually increase your calories back to your estimated maintenance calories. It's a strategy I use with clients, but its benefits are commonly overplayed and there's some myths surrounding a reverse diet. So I think the first myth around reverse dieting is it's going to increase your metabolic rate from previous numbers. What will happen is as you get closer to your maintenance energy balance, if you were in an actual deficit, right? Again, you saw your weight trend down or maybe your calories are super low and like maybe your body adapted to that low uh, caloric intake. But again, this is under the assumption that you had already lost a good amount of weight. As you get back closer to your maintenance, you will see an uptick in your metabolic rate, right? But it's not going to increase over what it was previously there with that. One thing you can try and do though, is add more muscle as this may increase your metabolic rate slightly over time. So this is where making sure you get enough protein and lifting weights is going to be super key in this. The next myth is it's going to make your next fat loss phase easier. It's not going to make future fat loss phases easier. How your body responds to an energy deficit is just very individual. Some people will just always have a tougher time than others. You And, you, and this person just sees more side effects like hunger, lower energy levels, et cetera. Again, adding muscle can make future fat loss phases easier and more experienced fat loss dieting, but reversing your calories back up will not make future fat loss phases either, right? There's this thought that, oh, if I increase my calories for a little bit of time, that means I can lose weight on more calories. That's not the case, right? Again, a lot of times when people track their calories or not dropping weight like they want, it typically comes down to they're not in a energy deficit for extended periods of time. They're under-reporting on accident or on purpose, whatever it is there. Again, your future fat loss, reverse dieting is not going to make your future fat loss phases easier. Another myth is that you're going to get leaner adding in calories slash going to maintenance. Part of the reason you stay lean is that you slowly add calories and are still in an energy deficit for some time. This is also more of an illusion because body fat takes time to accumulate so you don't really notice it, right? So therefore, as you are increasing your calories, you still feel lean because you are still leaner than you were before. Now, this is again, if you're coming out of a fat loss diet. So you think you're able to eat more and stay lean. Also, what I commonly see here, and this is what I talked about is a lot of times people may have also really been restricting calories. Say they're going for like 1200. So adding more calories helps you with hunger, cravings, and energy levels. And because of that, you end up moving more throughout the day. And so with that, you're still, you were in a large deficit. You're trying to hit a large deficit, but that was so challenging for you that somewhere along the lines, you went off plan and you ended up eating more calories than you think, right? So again, maybe in the short term, you were in a calorie deficit, but over time you were not. So again, a reverse diet's not going to help with that, but it can help you. Hey, if I go from trying to eat 1200 calories a day to 1500 a day, I can stick to that better. I feel better. Now you're actually likely to stick to a calorie deficit for extended periods of time. Again, maybe adding slightly more food means you can adhere better to a deficit. So if you're trying to be overly aggressive with it and that over aggression or that over aggressiveness causes you to end up consuming more calories than you think over time. But you're not getting leaner because you're reversing your calories there with that. Uh, myth four, you need to do it to jumpstart weight loss again. There's two scenarios here. One, you have a lot of diet fatigue, hunger, cravings, low energy from being in an energy deficit for a period of time. Because of this, adherence becomes challenging. However, this is under the assumption that, again, you've been seeing your weight trend down over time. If you never lost 10% of your body weight or you lost less than 10% of your body weight, you likely are just consuming more calories and you think it's more mental fatigue than actual diet physiological fatigue going on, right? Again, you need to look at your methods here. If that's you, it's not that there's anything wrong with you. Again, your methods are just off your lifestyle's off. You need better habits, whatever it may be. And then the other thing here is maintaining an energy deficit consistently is tough, especially if you go with this alone. The other issue here, uh, again, it just comes down to like, it's challenging to actually stick to a calorie deficit over time. So again, a lot of people think something's wrong with them, but they just don't understand that this is a, a challenging period of time and it's a, a tough thing to do in today's modern environment. So in both of these scenarios, you think you're in an energy deficit, but you're not. 
Um, you might need to take a break from fat loss dieting for a bit of time or check your adherence if this is you. So if you are just mentally fatigued from trying to diet, not seeing the results you want, you might need to just take a break of, okay, hey, I need to just go to my maintenance calories and eat there versus trying to continue to push this. It's clearly not working. I need to work on my habits, my overall lifestyle, whatever it may be. Or you just really need to double check your adherence. You're probably under-reporting calories on accident. Maybe you're forgetting to log some things and whatnot there. So those are some big kind of common myths that I see with reverse dieting. Again, a lot of people think that it's some magical thing here, but hopefully that helps you understand maybe where it can work and where it cannot. How I typically use them is with clients is, and why I use them. One, it helps to make sure you don't overshoot your maintenance calories. So we use this with clients to help make sure they don't overshoot their maintenance calories. Most people just wing their post-diet period. So by slowly increasing their calories, it helps them stay on track and ensures they don't overeat following their fat loss diet. So again, this is in the in the context of, hey, you were in a fat loss diet, you lost at least five to 10% of your body weight. Okay, now we're gonna use this reverse diet to help you get back to your estimated maintenance calories and not overshooting things. Two, a truth here is there's gonna be some weight gain following your diet. When you increase your food intake, you will see your weight go up. You're basically like a dry sponge, ready to soak up anything and everything. However, if done right, most of this will just be water weight increases and not fat gain. Plus, you're just going to have more food in your body at any one time. There with that. The leaner you are, the more likely you don't want to do a reverse diet. You probably just want to get to your maintenance calories as soon as possible. So if you're like sub 15 to 17% for women, sub 8 to 10% for men, then you likely just want to get back to your maintenance calories. You don't really want to mess around with slowly increasing your calories. Um, whereas if you are over these numbers, a reverse diet will be better for you if you want to stay leaner for a little longer. So if you're over eight to 10% for men, over 15 to 17% for women, you can probably mess around with slowly increasing your calories, right? The reason we don't want to slowly reverse calories when you're sub eight to 10%, more than 15 to 17% as women is you're just spending time in that kind of really lean state that probably isn't great for overall health. Blood work's probably going to be off. You're going to be super hungry. You're going to be lethargic still, things like that. Whereas if you're above these numbers, you're probably not going to really have as many of those issues. So you can slowly creep back up to your maintenance and spend a little bit more time in, in a deficit. Again, the main goal is to get your maintenance is to get you to your maintenance calories as this will lower any fatigue you have from being in a fat loss phase. So again, just there's one takeaway from this. The main goal reverse diet is to get you back to your maintenance calories without overshooting. Four, there really is no downside to just going straight back to your estimated maintenance calories if you want to. Just a reminder that one, there is going to be some weight regain following a fat loss diet. Most people just wing their post diet period, and that's why they gain a ton of weight following a fat loss diet. So by still tracking, you're ahead of most people. Lastly, if you're at your maintenance calories and your weight is shooting up, you may be underestimating your caloric intake. So you need to double check this. So hopefully that gives you some insight into reverse dieting, some myths around it, what to look for when you're reverse dieting and why I'll use them and some truths around them. So that way you just have a better understanding. I think the big thing is getting on the same page with the terminology of a reverse diet. Again, if you're just somebody who hasn't been tracking your calories and you feel like you're eating low calorie, but your weight's not moving, a reverse diet's not going to be like... There's not going to be any magic benefit of you just increasing your calories. It's just, hey, you need to track, see where you're at, and then go from there. So hopefully that was helpful. Let me know if you guys have any questions on that one. And then the last question for the day is, hurt back, working out, two weeks out of gym and counting, any advice? So here's how I would manage injuries in general. This isn't necessarily like low, like this isn't back focus. It's just injury focus more than anything. So one, do muscle groups, exercises that don't bother that area. So, you know, in this case, find exercises machines, whatever it may be, or anything that you can train other muscle group, just that you can train that isn't going to cause pain. That would be my first thing that I would do. So really try to limit 
So anything that you think is going to bother it, don't do it. Anything that does bother it, don't do it. Find things, find most, find exercises that don't bother it. And then from there, focus on other muscle groups as well too. So two, don't do anything that does bother it. Three, stay hydrated. This is going to help make sure that you're in an optimal spot from overall health standpoint. Um, hydration is going to just be great from that standpoint. Four, get some low impact movement in. So make sure you don't just like not do anything. Make sure you're still doing things to get some movement. And that's, so we want to make sure we're getting some sort of movement in. This can be walking, this can be biking, whatever it is, just get some sort of movement in. That's going to help get blood flow throughout the body, which is going to be super helpful. Five, make sure you have a good base of whole foods in your diet. These can help lower inflammation levels. Plus, it's going to ensure that you're going to get all the vitamins and minerals you need. And, you know, it's going to make sure you're not like missing out on any micro or macronutrients as well, your carbs, fats, protein. And again, it also make sure you're not like under eating or overeating either. Find that, that kind of happy medium here when you're injured. Six, prioritize sleep. That's obviously going to help speed up the recovery process. So make sure you're getting good sleep. And then seven supplements, things like creatine, fish oil, multivitamins can all help here in this process, right? Creatine can help with recovery. Fish oils anti can be anti-inflammatory. And a multivitamin just ensures you're not missing out on any essential vitamins and minerals. That's how I would go about any injury. Again, whether it's low back, knee, anything like that, like this is this is how I would go about that. So that's it for this episode. Just as a reminder, if you have questions like these, again, what is you know, what phase of training do you need to be in? What phase of nutrition do you need to be in? How many workouts do you need per week? What's the, what's the macro split you need to be on? How can I manage my hunger? If these are all questions that you typically have, then my free 30-minute strategy call is for you. We dive into these things. We troubleshoot any issues you have, map out a game plan for you, and this will help move you forward. Again, no obligation or anything like that, but the link is in the show notes I'm there for that. And that's it for this episode. And I will chat with you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.